As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 224 of the Unnominated for Any Award UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. Today's story is about someone who was very alone with declining mental health and was seen by most as a nuisance but harmless. You know someone like this. But today we hear what happened when this supposedly harmless person snapped. You may have heard that for the next five Thursdays, I am running live events online. UK True Crime Live. I'm not so good on the creativity, okay? Anyway, first up this week is broadcaster, author and ex-detective Peter Blexley. We will talk about his book and his podcast Manhunt and his continued search for Kevin Powell. Next week, I'm talking to podcasting royalty, the true crime enthusiast, the format for these events is me chatting to the guests for 15 minutes or so, then it's over to you to ask the questions that you want to ask. It should be lots of fun. Tickets are free, so get yours now. Just search Crowdcast as I'm Lloyd, or head to UKTrueCrime.com to get tickets. I'll see you there. As always, a huge thank you to all my supporters on Patreon, but especially those new members of this exclusive club. That is Richard MacArthur, Wendy Atkinson, Jake Reese, Kat Blanchard, Lou Siddons, and Rachel Wardley. Thank you all so much for your support, which is much, much appreciated. Remember to send me your mailing address so I can post you some welcome goodies. And the February competition, which with the postponement of True Crime Live, is now three awesome true crime books. Join us at patreon.com slash UK True Crime. This episode is brought to you by Best Fiends. Have you played Best Fiends yet? If not, you really should. It's an awesome game. It has challenging puzzles, but it's also a casual game which anyone can play, although it's made for adults. A big part of the game is collecting tons of cute characters and then using them strategically for each level. I enjoy the vividness of the colours and also the freshness of Best Fiends as the game updates monthly with new levels and events. This means it never gets old. I love Best Fiends as it's a game I can play with friends and relatives during lockdown and we're able to enjoy spending some time together. And living in a rural area, I also enjoy the fact you don't need internet to play the game. Today I was out planting trees all day, miles from Wi-Fi, and I played for 20 minutes or so at lunchtime as I had lunch, then another 15 minutes during the afternoon. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, 
With over 100 million downloads, this 5-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Let's set some context and play our game, which is about as much interest to most as Piers Morgan's latest tedious rant about, well, any topic at all really. Rant, rant and rant. I said rant. (laughs) Anyway, yes, it's a guess the month and year game. Number one in the UK charts was Maroon 5 featuring Wiz Khalifa with Payphone. Carly Rae Jepsen with Call Me Maybe topped the US charts. And in Australia, top on the album charts was Carice Eden with My Journey. No, me neither. In the news this month, 12 people were killed and 58 injured in a mass shooting in a movie theatre in Colorado. The shooter opened fire in a crowd during a screening of The Dark Knight Rises. He was found behind the theatre claiming to be the Joker. In London, it was the Olympics, which was such an uplifting event for the country, when we all seemed to come together, don't you think? It seems a long time ago now. Did you guess the month and year? It was July 2012. So let's get on with today's story, which comes from Clacton, a small town on the east coast of Essex, around 85 miles northeast of London. I lived in Brightlingsea for a while, which is about five miles south of Clacton. And although the town Clacton gets a bad press, I like it. Just like many seaside towns, it has a few issues, but Clacton's a great place. 64-year-old Peter Reeve lived in a flat in Redbridge Road in Clacton, but his mental health was deteriorating. The retired bus mechanic who suffered from a heart condition had split from his wife Susan ten years earlier. She had stayed as long as she could, but he used to assault his wife and neighbours would regularly see her with bruises and also running out of the house in tears. Fortunately, and very bravely for her, she managed to get away from this most abusive relationship. Once she had gone, Peter lived a very lonely life and he was becoming increasingly paranoid. He started to have a real issue with the neighbours who lived in the flat downstairs, Trevor Marshall and his partner. A neighbour later explained what Peter had told him about his neighbours. I quote, A couple of months ago, he started becoming very paranoid about the couple who had moved in downstairs. He came up to me a few times and said, I think they're printing money. Next thing, he said he thought drugs were involved. I explained to him that the guy downstairs works as a lorry driver and that's why he comes home at odd times of the night, but he wouldn't let it go. Although Peter had never been in trouble with the police, there were some worrying signs developing. He didn't hold a gun licence, but he liked guns and he was visiting a local gun club for more than five years. Peter certainly made an impression on many people at the club, but it was not a positive one with one member of the club later saying that Peter was known for his strident views on, I quote, homosexuals, blacks, bankers and unmarried mothers. He didn't have any friends there and another described him, again I quote, as a sad and ineffective man. They had too noticed the decline in his mental health and there had even been one worrying disagreement where he threatened to kill someone. It was also widely understood at the club 
that he'd attempted suicide twice in 2012 and had insisted to anyone who would listen that he was being followed by druggies. It seems that nobody reported this behaviour or tried to get him any help. Like in other parts of his life, Peter Reeve was excluded and alone. His behaviour in the road where he lived was also a concern, with one neighbour describing how, I quote, One day, my son kicked his ball under his car and he came out like a maniac and made my boy cry. When I went to speak to him, he would not come out of his house. He kept a shotgun in his house, but I would not let him come shooting with me. He was too dangerous. He was scary. And over the previous few years, he'd been in numerous disputes with neighbours, the police, mental health services, and even a local councillor. But overall, Peter Reeve was seen as someone that was a, he was an annoyance, but he was harmless. But that all changed one normal summer's afternoon, the 9th of July, 2012. 41-year-old father of two, Ian Dibble, was a policeman in Clacton. He'd been in the police service since 2001, and in July 2012, Ian was off work with a hand injury. On the 9th of July, he was alerted to a disturbance in his road. He had a quick look at what was going on, and seeing that the situation was serious, he returned home to pick up his warrant card and his mobile phone before returning quickly to the scene. What had happened was that Peter Reeve had decided that this was the day he was going to take revenge on his neighbours. At about 3.30pm, as Trevor Marshall and his partner walked into the stairwell of the flats where they lived, after enjoying a day out in the sunshine, Trevor noticed that Peter Reeve was hiding in the stairwell. Trevor later said, Reeve was like a crazed animal. I stared into his eyes and they were totally dead. He wanted to kill me, but I don't know why. Reeve wasn't messing around, and he opened fire with his gun at the couple, luckily missing, and the terrified pair turned and ran for their lives. As the couple split up in different directions, Reeve continued to chase Trevor, all the while firing shots at him before jumping into his car. It was at this stage that Ian Dibble arrived at the car. Ian went to the driver's side and leaned in, talking to Reeve for about 30 seconds, and then he tried to neutralise Reeve. Using both his hands, he attempted to wrestle the revolver from Reeve, but the gun went off, hitting Ian Dibble in the chest. Tragically, this one bullet in the chest killed Ian Dibble. He was just 41 years old when he died on the very street where he lived. And being late on a Monday afternoon, his murder was witnessed by a number of neighbours and school children. It was just a normal Monday afternoon in the summer. After the murder, Reeve didn't seem to be put off by what had happened, and he continued to chase Trevor Marshall from his car, hitting him with his car before shooting him in the arm. It was only when Trevor hid in a doorway that Reeve roared off down the road to make his escape. The police were soon on the scene and the sky buzzed with the sound of the police helicopter as detectives from Essex Police launched a round-the-clock search involving armed response units. The force later said it had found Reeve's car at a nearby road junction and warned members of the public not to approach Reeve, who was believed to be armed. 
Meanwhile, the local community was yeah, it was just in shock. Trevor Marshall had managed to escape the scene with just an injury to his arm, but he was very aware of how lucky he was still to be alive. In newspaper interviews, he described how the hero, PC Dibble, a man I'd never met before, stood between me and certain death. I was being chased by a man with an armed revolver and PC Dibble confronted him and took a bullet for me. He added, I was running away, but this off-duty police officer was walking straight into the line of fire, into the line of danger. He is a real hero. He lost his life trying to protect us. He paid the ultimate sacrifice to save me. Just a normal bloke, a lorry driver. Meanwhile, Reeve was on the run. Just a few miles away, in Wheelie, two hours after the murder, he told a bemused stranger, I've had a terrible, terrible day. I could do with a pint. This stranger, a retired lorry driver called Ivor Starling, told how, and I quote, He'd been to see a car at Great Bromley and had seen loads of police cars coming down from Colchester. When we came back, I dropped off my brother-in-law next door and this fellow came running across to the car. He said, I'm looking for a taxi rank. I told him that he was in Wheelie and he wouldn't find one around here. At this point, Reeve, who looked very distressed, said, I've had a terrible, terrible day, a most awful day. You wouldn't believe what's happened to me today. Ivor invited the unlikely-looking killer to his house to call a taxi, but Reeve didn't want to. If he'd come in, my wife would have made him a cup of tea. He was in a terrible state. My brother-in-law said a taxi would cost a fortune and told him there was a train station around the corner. The man said he could do with a pint and trotted off up the road in the direction of the council offices. It was just a few minutes later when Ivor's son called him to tell him about the murder that had taken place in nearby Clacton. Ivor was astonished. He said, I put on the TV and saw it was a fellow in his 60s. I thought, Jesus Christ, it could have been him. The next morning there was a photo of Reeve, and it was him, without a doubt, so I phoned the police. Reflecting later on the encounter, Ivor said, he was in a very confused state. He seemed very disturbed. He wasn't carrying anything. He must have had the handgun in his coat. But without knowing what had happened, I would never have been fearful of the man. I just thought, poor old boy. Astonishingly, despite the search for him, Reeve made his way to nearby Colchester, where at about 7.30pm he caught a train to Chelmsford, a 30-minute journey south towards London. What he did from there is unclear, although he did try to visit relatives in Chelmsford and was apparently seen on the street at about 9pm. By the next morning he had made his way to All Saints Church in Rittle, a small rural community to the west of Chelmsford, which is about 40 miles away from Clacton, the scene of the shooting. Rittle, this church in Rittle, was where Reeve's mum Gladys was buried in 1985 and his brother Terence was buried after his death in 2004. It was about 8.30 in the morning when Reeve met an elderly gardener in the church grounds, a guy called David Collier. David later told a paper that he was just six foot or so from this rough-looking man who turned to speak to him. He blurted out, I'm Peter Reeve. I'm the man who shot the police constable in Clacton. 
I realised I was standing for a killer. The man hardly paused for breath and then said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I shot the police officer. He looked me in the eye. His voice wasn't trembling, he was calm. He was clearly trying to be sincere. Then sitting in his family burial plot, next to his mum's grave, in a pretty rural village, on what promised to be yet another beautiful summer's day, Peter Reeve pulled out a revolver and shot himself in the head, killing himself instantly. Builders working on scaffolding overlooking the churchyard told how they heard a shot at 8.30am before seeing his body slumped across a gravestone. The 17-hour manhunt for the man guilty of killing PC Ian Dibble was finally over. Later, the inquest confirmed that PC Dibble died from a bullet to the chest and Reeve from a gunshot to the head. The coroner recorded a verdict of suicide for Reeve, who she described as troubled, after hearing he had a history of mental health problems. It was revealed that he had written a letter to a friend, saying that he was sorry for murdering PC Dibble. Ian's partner, Louise, cried as the coroner read out the verdicts, while his dad, mum and two brothers, who were also present, remained calm. Praising him for his quite extraordinary bravery, and recommending a commendation for his actions, the coroner said, he responded instantly to a fast-moving domestic situation, which was extremely dangerous to the public in a public place. Clearly his aim was to save lives and he unselfishly risked his own life. The members of his family can be extremely proud of him, and I hope you can look back not just on his bravery, but also upon the happy memories you have of him. She added that if Reeve had survived, he would have faced charges including murder and attempted murder. There was a memorial service held in Clacton at St James's Church, which is just opposite the police station. After the service, Ian's partner Louise, who's also a PCSO in Clacton, said, I'm not sure if I will ever be able to fully understand the events of July the 9th, why they happened, but I am aware that Ian was a true hero and he died as he lived, trying to do the right thing. His bravery and selfless act will never be forgotten, and I am so proud. Ian was awarded a high commendation for his actions, which is the highest honour that Essex Police is able to bestow. Then on the 12th of December 2013, it was announced that Her Majesty the Queen had been pleased to approve the award of the George Medal the first police officer in 20 years to be given this award. A part of his citation said, PC Dibble intervened in a dangerous situation to protect the public from an armed and dangerous gunman. He acted without hesitation and by returning to his home to collect his warrant card and telephone, indicates that he was preparing to act as a police officer to protect the local community from further harm. He knew that a gunman was shooting at members of the public and must have assumed the gunman was still armed. He could have observed from a safe distance and requested assistance about tackling the gunman, but he believed that innocent lives were at risk, including those children returning home from school, and that he had to act quickly and decisively. PC Dibble chose to place himself in a violent, volatile and dangerous situation in order to protect others. He was off duty and armed, and attempted to disarm and detain a gunman 
who'd already demonstrated a willingness to use his weapon. So what do you make of what we've heard today? It is the story, I think, well undoubtedly, of one very brave man, Ian Dibble. On this podcast and in the media, we often hear criticism of the police. No doubt some of it is sometimes justified, and sure, there are some people in the police force who are an utter disgrace to the badge. But for me, I'm incredibly proud of our police service, and I'm extremely grateful for the fantastic work that almost all of them do, putting themselves in danger to make us safe. And Ian Dibble sums up this bravery for me, sacrificing his life for a complete stranger. As for Reeve, well, he was clearly a man of poor mental health. Were the opportunities missed to intervene? It's hard for us to know, isn't it? But because of his actions, so many others were destroyed on that ordinary, so ordinary residential street in Clacton on a normal summer's day in 2012. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the UK True Crime Podcast. Please head to the Facebook group to discuss this story and any other aspects of UK true crime. And to support the show and catch loads of bonus episodes, enter the competition for the three true crime books and all the other bits and pieces behind the scenes, please head to patreon.com slash UK true crime. So that's all for me for this week. Thank you for joining me on the 37th most popular UK true crime podcast. I know there are a load of demands on your time, so I do appreciate it. Whilst it's on your mind, why not get over to uktruecrime.com now or on any of my social media channels and get your free ticket for my chat with Peter Blexley on Thursday. If you've not heard him talk before, he's fantastically interesting, loads of great stories, and you'll hear all about his continued search for Kevin Powell. And if you have any questions ahead of this free event, please just let me know. So that's all for me for today. So until we speak again next week, please do take it easy. And most of all, you know it, stay classy. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.